Well, thank you, everyone, for being here again. It's good to see you all on this warm, warm day, warm afternoon. I assume it's warm where you are. It is where I am. Um, so I wanted to talk this evening about something called skillful means. I don't know if you've heard that term before. Has anybody heard that term, skillful means? It's um, it's used, it, it's not real, well, it is kind of common, but it's, uh, it popped into my head the other morning. I don't know, I, I don't know what, it just went boop, and I was like, oh, I think I'll talk about that. And so I spent, I spent some time looking into it and see what does the Buddha say about skillful means? Does he even say anything about skillful, skillful means? Because sometimes we, we utilize or we use these terms that we say Buddha said, and you find he never did. In fact, there's a website called Fake Buddha Quotes where it's like Snopes for Buddhist sayings. And so you just you, you go there and you go, no, he never said that. Or, yeah, he did. And here's where the, the sutta is. Here's where the citation is. So I wanted to do that. And it turns out that um, it's actually very common in Mahayana teachings and in Mahayana texts. And if you're not familiar, Buddhism is kind of divided primarily in between Theravada, which is the lineage of the elders, and then Mahayana, which is a later uh, development. And it's uh, the Theravada is uh, they base most of the teachings from the original text from the Pali Canon. And Mahayana work with later texts, texts that were written maybe a thousand years or 500 years after the Buddha died. And uh, Theravada is um, the Thai forest tradition and a lot in Southeast Asia. It's in Sri Lanka and Burma. Um, and Mahayana is, uh, is uh, Tibetan and Zen and China and um, uh, uh, Japan. And so they, the Mahayana tradition uses this phrase a lot, skillful means, and it's, it was talked about in one of their suttas, the Lotus Sutta, and it's basically about bodhisattvas, and bodhisattvas are those people, those um, beings who forego their own enlightenment in order to make sure everybody else is enlightened. They will, they, until the end of suffering, they will, they will just stay They'll say, no, I'm just going to stay, stay here and serve uh, everyone else. And there's one story that was really interesting talking about skillful means. And they use skillful means in order to do that. And there was a, a talked about a ship that had like 500 bodhisattvas on it or, or practitioners on it. And there was also a robber, murderer on board. And the captain knew about this person who planned to kill all the um, the uh, practitioners and um, murder them and, and rob all their goods. And the captain decided not to tell the, the practitioners because he was afraid that they would then kill the robber and screw up their karma. So instead, he killed the robber. So he would take on the eons and eons and eons of additional lives that would come from that intentional murder and then save these these 500 beings from taking that on. So that is considered skillful means, killing them so that they won't have to do it. 
I mean, and, and it also talks about lying when it's beneficial, like lying to children to make sure that so that they'll get out of a burning house and things like that. So that's that's considered skillful means um, in uh, Mahayana tradition. So and uh, they also some of you may be familiar with MBSR, mindfulness based skill um, I can't remember what the R is. <laughs> no, mindfulness-based. Um, oh, my God. Ah, it'll come to me. I'm not worried about it. But MBSR is really, uh, it's mindfulness that's been used for uh, uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction. There you go. Mindfulness-based stress reduction. It uses mindfulness. It uses the four foundations of mindfulness, but it's totally extracted from Buddhism. It's totally secularized, and it's usually popular. In fact, it's kind of the driver behind the mindfulness revolution that's been out there. You've heard the term probably Mick Mindfulness, where they've extracted the Buddhist teachings from mindfulness, and it's used in corporations. It's used with the military. So that's considered Proponents of this are calling that skillful means saying if you offer this to people but take strip the religion away from it, they will uh, find their way into Buddhist teachings, which and the, the criticism of this is it's like uh, disconnected from the ethical Buddhist teachings, like the precepts, like how to actually live in the world without causing harm. It's really it's kind of taken on this demeanor of productivity uh, kinds of things. So anyway. That's considered skillful means in a school. So I'm not going to talk about any of that. I'm going to talk about how it is looked at in Theravada because that's the tradition I'm in, the lineage of the elders, the Thai forest tradition. Those are my teachers, my ancestors in this practice, this lineage. And it's talked about in a couple of different ways, a few different ways in the sutta. So I just wanted to go over those. And it starts actually with the Buddha himself. When he became enlightened in the story of his enlightenment, he um, spent all this time uh, practicing and finally saw the nature of suffering and the end of suffering. And, and he said, wow, that was rough. I'm not going to taste. I'm not going to teach. I'm, I'm just going to sit here and be enlightened until I die. And he, in fact, he said, enough now with teaching what only with difficulty I reach. This Dhamma is not easily realized by those overcome with uh, aversion and passion, basically greed and um, lust, greed and hatred. It's like people, people overcome with that are not going to forget this. And what is subtle and deep and hard to see, those delighting in passion and cloaked in the mass of darkness won't see. So he's like, it's it's too difficult, it's too subtle, it takes too much work, I'm not going to waste my time on people who are just not even going to see it. And this one um, Brahma in a, in a god realm, according to the, the story, heard this and was just like, oh no, dude, you have to teach. So he came down to earth and he saw the Buddha and he, and he begged him and he said, please, please, he said, there are those who through not hearing the Dhamma are decaying, but who on hearing it would grow. So he, he's told the Buddha that there are some people who are really close and they just need your wisdom to push them over to the edge into enlightenment. And so the Buddha kind of looked in, with his wisdom, he kind of looked around and he goes, yeah, there are some people who are really close, who have the, the phrase is often 
translated as, who have just a little dust in their eyes. So I will come and I will teach them and I will help them see clearly. And so that's kind of um, uh, talked about how skillful means in, in that regard, that the Buddha is like, okay, I'm going to come down and or come, not come down, but I'm going to teach these people um, so that they just need a little bit of help to, to become enlightened. And the another way it's looked at is, so he did that and he taught, so that the people he was teaching would understand, basically teach in the vernacular. Speak so that the people you're talking to will understand you. And it's basically says that it's the ability to bring out the spiritual potential of different people by statements or actions which are adjusted to their needs and adapted to their ability to comprehend. Which is why in the suttas you have... Um, you know, if they just had the basic teachings, it wouldn't take up that much space. It would, the book wouldn't be that thick. But the Buddha taught for 45 years, and he taught the same stuff in multitude of ways. So you have all these teachings pointing to the same thing. Clinging equals suffering. Let go. That's really it. Let go. We can even boil it down to let go. Um, but people needed to have it taught to them in different ways. The Buddha taught, he taught, taught other monastics. He taught householders. He taught royalty. He taught uh, farmers. He taught uh, workers, craftspeople. He taught all kinds of people, and he used different metaphors for each of them. So that's what this is about also. That's skillful means, which is why I think one of the reasons or is helpful when you see um, – Sometimes people come to classes, um, they come to Zen or they come to Tibetan, which are very different. If you've ever sat in those different, uh, 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 with those different types of teachings, they're really very different and they appeal to people differently. So it, you don't say, oh, this is better. My, my way is better than that way because that might this way may not appeal to someone. So you can say, well, you know, try this for a while. If it doesn't work, go go try another teacher. Because um, bottom line, the teachings are, are pretty much the same. Um, and it's also, it also, the skillful means is that the Buddha taught um, based on uh, where the student was. He taught um, the different capacities of the people that were listening. So he taught at a higher level to those capable of understanding and more simple teachings to those with less capacity. And sometimes if you look at retreats or different workshops, it's some of them say this is open to everyone. It's going to be accessible no matter whether you have any experience in the teachings. And others say, you know what, this is for experienced practitioners and you have to have, there's a prerequisite for going on the retreat or coming to the class because you need to understand. Not that the teachings, um, the teachings aren't different. For in a lot of ways, well, some of them are. Some of them are very. They get into really some some complex methodologies. Like if any of you have seen the teaching on dependent origination, it can be really complex, and people don't teach it that often because it is like uh, if you've any if you've studied German, that's uh, pretty complicated because the verb is usually at the end of the sentence of a very long sentence, and so it's like. Uh, Anyway, so it's um, the Buddha taught so that so 
that um, different, simple for folks with less understanding, more complex for people with, with greater experience. As I was saying, the teachings don't change. There's the Four Noble Truths. There's the Eightfold Path. But the deeper you get or the more you practice, the, the teachings go from an intellectual understanding and they drop down into um, an experiential awareness that kind of permeates. And the subtleties of your awareness, the subtleties of um, understanding deepen. The more practice you have, the more experience you have. So I've been sitting and practicing for a while now, but I'm still seeing some deep conditioning that I have, how I've been stuck in different places, like ideas about myself that were installed when I was a little kid that I'm still recognizing. It's like, wow, I can't believe I'm still carrying that around, these fixed ideas, these stories. But it takes time. So the Buddha teaches that way. So those are skillful means, recognition of where you are. And don't come at someone who's brand new with uh, Analia, who's a, a senior monk in this tradition. His PhD, dis don't give somebody his PhD dissertation on the four foundations of mindfulness as an introduction. Because that's just not going to work. I, I know people who have done that and people walk away going, uh so that it's not helpful. Um, there's another there's another thing about skillful means which is really important, and it's like use something as long as it serves you, and then put it away, let go of it. And there's a very famous teaching, a very famous sutta about the teaching around the raft. And he, Buddha talks about when you get to a river that is really wide and deep you can't just cross it without a, a means of crossing it so you there's a raft and so you take the raft and when you get to the other side of the river you say wow that was really helpful and you leave it there as you continue your journey climbing a mountain or walking through a forest you don't say wow this raft was so useful i'm just going to carry it with me because it doesn't serve its purpose any longer you're no longer crossing a river you're now climbing through a, a, a forest or hiking. So learning to let go when things don't serve, which can be really difficult because we get into habits. And an example of this is when you're new to meditation, um, oftentimes it's really challenging because the mind is all over the place. We have no concentration. Our mind is just used to doing whatever the hell it wants to do. So beginning meditation instructions oftentimes are, Count your breath, like count from one to ten and back to one, or do in on the in breath, out on the in, out breath, or some kind of concentration practice that brings you and gives you something to hold on to. Some traditions do visualizations, uh, mantras. Those are things to keep you present. But after a while, they're, they're not needed, and you can let them go. You don't have to hold on to those. And oftentimes people, I've taught, I'll come to class and they'll say, um, and we'll be in conversation and I'll say, you've been doing this for a while. You don't have to do that. Why don't you try opening up to this? And it's like, oh, I thought I had to. And it's like, no, 
leave the raft. I mean, that's true with, I was thinking about this, that's true with so many things. I mean, it's, you know, it's like, when am I going to get rid of these graduate, these books from grad school, which I haven't, or these language books, I'm looking over this bookcase over there. I've studied a lot of languages, and it's like, really, I don't need these languages, these language books anymore. I am not going to, I'm, I, I'm not going to need them. I, I, I still have these visions. Well, I might need my Hebrew book, or I might need my Arabic book, or I might need my German. Or, so I doubt it. And if I do need it, I can find it online. But it's so hard to let it go. It's like tied to my ego. It's part of who I am. This, 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 this sense of self, which doesn't actually exist. But I've created a little thing around me. This book means something. These these language books. Whoa. Um, so just seeing those types of things, if it doesn't serve, can you let it go? And then um, something that's also really important that this, this teaching of upaya or skillful means is um, you can find your own way with this. You know, if you find something that works to help you move through some difficulties or get through this path, then utilize it. Utilize it. Um, it the, the, the idea is to um, hold your practice with kindness and compassion and have it be underlaid by the precepts like not causing harm and being wise with your sexuality and and not not lying and not stealing those types of things making sure that you're not causing harm but finding your own way through this um, you have to start where you are and oftentimes you get the question is am i allowed to do that and am i allowed is that okay get that question a lot. Is that okay? What would, what would the Buddha say to this? And it's like, I don't know if he'd even understand the question because you're talking about Facebook. But, you know, um, finding your own way is really important. And they talk about um, even if it's not true in the ultimate sense, because in Buddhism there's the absolute truth, absolute truth of impermanence, and then there's the relative stuff that we deal with on a daily basis that we have to move through. And so to recognize that you can have um, an expedient practice, a practice that will be beneficial to you to get through a period of your life and then you put it aside. That's skillful means to navigate things skillfully without causing harm and, or, 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 or the least harm uh, possible. Um, and it talks about that the ethical, I, I found this quote, the ethical life isn't a matter of following rules. Rules make it simple, rules make it easy, but rules can be rigid and rules can cause a lot of harm. We see that every day. Um, so the ethical life, spiritual life is not about following rules, but committing to a particular line of inquiry, like asking which choices are skillful which choices are, are right, taking me in the, in the direction I want to go in, and which, which is the good in this moment, in this moment. And, and um, Annie Nugent, who's a teacher, she said, skillful means for working with difficult states vary from person to person, even from day to day. 
And we have to, and it all depends on what's appropriate right now. Just because it worked yesterday doesn't mean it's what what should what uh, we should do today. And so often I find myself in that situation, and so many of us find ourselves in that situation. This worked yesterday. I'm going to do it every day and never, and it's always going to work. And then you find it doesn't work because it's not appropriate for the moment. You have different results. So this tuning into what's happening right now is part of the practice. What's happening right now? What makes sense in this moment? You're, you're building up this wisdom, this, this wise capacity. Um, uh, you know, we have to let wisdom be our guide. And wisdom leads us to a deeper wisdom. It's, again, it's, again, it's these layers. It's this constant layers and digging down and disentangling. And, and um, uh, the Carol Wilson, another teacher, said, all skillful means are for the purification of the heart mind. For Chita, it's all about getting rid of what doesn't serve. It's about clearing away the greed, the hatred, the delusion, that, that dust that we have in our eyes. It's about clearing that away. That's what skillful means helps us move through. That's what we do. Um, it's not about following the rules. It's about being wise in this moment. Um, because this, uh, this idea of relative and absolute uh, is very, very, very important because, um, you know, the absolute is that um, things are impermanent and that there's no fixed self and that there is discomfort, there's, there is suffering in this world. Those are, those are absolute beliefs, but people can use them like... Um, weapons or they can use them to do what's called spiritual bypass not feeling not not being engaged with the reality of their emotions but we're human beings living a human life we're not deities we're not enlightened i'm not enlightened i still have to navigate my human condition which can be very frustrating at times but i have to stay away from the absolute and recognize that yeah things are impermanent but it really hurts when this ends, the grief is real. You know, the grief is real. Um, we're, 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 we have to be in mourning right now. There's a lot of grief right now that we can sometimes are putting to the side, but there's to honor that mourning that we're in that, that world that we're walking through right now. Um, there's a, the other idea of like, you know, this, this, this idea that you see a lot, well, we're all one, you know, so uh, we have to all sit in this together. And you get that in a lot of Buddhist or Buddhist communities that and but you also have to re remember that, yeah, there's a hell of a lot of conditioning. Deep, deep conditioning. There's cultural conditioning. There's the personal conditioning. It's like, yeah, we have to honor the differences that exist and heal from this deep wounding, this violence that's been perpetrated on on peoples for years um, in order to get to that place. You know, the absolute. We have to deal with the relative before we get to the absolute. And it's the skillful means that are necessary to navigate these things. How do we do that? You know?
and watching our fixed ideas, letting go of the fixed ideas, because the rules can turn into fixed ideas and skillful means helps us to break through those ideas. And the precepts are a guide to do this. The precepts are not intentionally taking a life, um, not taking what's not offered, being wise with our sexuality, um, being um, careful with our speech, and not taking things that lead to, uh, not ingesting anything that leads to heedlessness. And so those are guidelines, but we also have to be cautious because throughout the years, these things have, um, as with any anything that's been around for a couple of thousand years, culture and conditioning, cultural norms and beliefs infiltrate. Like religion, ideas become dogma. Um, like in Catholicism, women used to, it was, I think it was in the third century that women all of a sudden weren't allowed to be priests. They were kind of pushed aside. And there are times in, uh, there have been times in Buddhist, um, Buddhist uh, throughout the history of Buddhism where the third precept, which is simply being wise and careful with your sexuality, meant no masturbation. It meant homosexuality was wrong. And so that's not anything what the Buddha said. So you have to be careful about cultural things creeping in and always questioning. And the Buddha said, you know, find your own way with this. Don't do it just because somebody says it. Like right now, there's the big, the big, um, uh, 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 I don't know what the word is, discussion, but the big standoff, I think is more appropriate, in Theravada tradition saying that nuns can't be fully ordained. And it's like, that's bogus. That's absolutely bogus. That's the culture that's moved in and created a rule that's not actually um, um, supported by the teachings. So really paying attention to skillfully navigate your way through these things. Again, that's using skillful means. That's, that's saying what's real here, what's cultural, what's not cultural. It has to be held by the spirit of the precepts and with wisdom and compassion. That, that wise heart, that purification, that getting rid of all this stuff that doesn't serve. You might have your own skillful means. You might find your own particular things that work. For me, the saying right now it's like this has served me for many, many years of bringing me into right here. Right now it's like this. It's on my arm so I don't forget it. You can't read it, but there it is. Right now, it's like this. Oh, come back to right here. Come back. What is it? Oh, it sucks right now, or it's joyful right now. Can I be with it? Can I hold it? Not, damn it, it needs to be a different way, but what is it right now? Um, and finding skillful means, using skillful means as a way to move away from suffering. I often say the Buddha's teaching was, well, he says it. I teach suffering and the end of suffering. So when you're faced with a, a, a decision or a, a, a way to move through life, it's like, is this taking me away from suffering or towards suffering? That can help guide the skillful means. 
that can help guide your action. And it's not about achieving anything. It's not about being the perfect meditator. You know, they always say, be a Buddha, not a Buddhist. Do what's necessary. Do the wise and compassionate thing. Don't do the right thing. Don't necessarily follow the rule. That's what the Buddha said on, on his deathbed. See for yourself what takes you away from suffering. See for yourself what leads you to this, this place of ease, this place of letting go, not what takes you for it. So it's, it's, I think it's a really important teaching. It's not a technical teaching, but this idea of skillful means is so important. Um, it's really, really necessary in this realm of samsara, this realm that we're in of, 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 of greed and hatred, rampant greed and rampant hatred and del rampant delusion. It's really necessary to crack open this, this, this world we're in and to, to uh, move through it in a way that doesn't cause harm. So those are my thoughts on this idea of skillful means. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.